Good evening, Hope Ottawa. Uh, my name is Joe. I have the privilege of serving as your youth coordinator here uh, at the church, and it's a true blessing to be able to do that. Um, tonight, if you have your Bibles with you, open them up to Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 to 16. If you do not have a Bible, put up, please put up your hand. We have some ushers who would love to give you a Bible to follow along with us tonight. And if you don't have that, have a Bible at home, that is our gift to you. We'd be such a blessing if you were to keep that, to have God's word at home with you so that you can study it and read it for yourself. If you do have one of those Bibles, also the text tonight is on page 473 if you're interested in it, if that is helpful. In this series, we've been seeing God's word that his call for every Christian is a call to a fervent life on mission. This comes out of Romans 12, verse 11, where it says, Do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord. Do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord. So what we see throughout God's word is that, that the idea of fervency means to boil hot. Boil hot. It means that we are living with the passions, with the priority and perspectives of Jesus by his power and for his glory. That one more time, living with the passions, priority, and perspective of Jesus by his power and for his glory. What we've been showing with that is that and by passion we mean that we care about most about what God cares about. We care most about what God cares about. Priority is that we in living out God's priorities in our own lives. That what God calls us to put in support, we make a priority. And finally, with perspective, it means that we care most about what is eternal and what will last. And that we have an urgency for those things, urgency for the things that matter most. The passions, the priority and perspective of Jesus. Biblical fervency can be summed up in this way. It's that God's glory shapes the whole story. At all times and in all things, God's glory shapes the whole story. And over the last two weeks, we have seen living with a gospel fervency means to live lives of fervent prayer and fervent stewardship. And tonight, we're going to see that this also means we need to live a life of fervent witness. Life of fervent witness. And why is this so important to address? Well, it's so important because Jesus is passionate about the lost. Important because Jesus has a heart for lost. He desires to see the lost saved. Jesus has a passion, is passionate for the lost. And his church, and as his church, so must we. We must have that same heart, that same passion for the lost. But here's the problem. If you look on the screen, there's going to be some statistics to show um, Read and see if you can pick out what the problem is in this when you look at these. The first statistic is this. 70% of Christians have not shared the gospel with a stranger in the past six months. This comes a, a thing from the Christian Post. It means that they haven't had a conversation with anyone that they do not know to share who Jesus is or what he's done in their life. They don't know these people. The second statistic, part of this is this, is that 62% of Christians say they have not shared the gospel with a friend or a family member in the past six months months. 
62% of Christians have not even shared the gospel with those who are closest with them, their friends and their family. Think about that. See, this is, this is a problem. But for so many, and I'm including myself with this, we struggle to live lives of fervent witness. We struggle to live lives of fervent witness. We don't live with Jesus' passion for the lost. And this can happen for a few reasons. One of these could be fear. Afraid of speaking up, afraid of actually sharing what the gospel is with somebody for fear of what they're going to think of you or what could happen to you if you do that. It could also come out of a sense of going out of your comfort zone because sharing the gospel is not comfortable. To share the gospel, it means to confront somebody about what's happening in their life and what they're living for rather than living for Jesus. It could also be something that at times where you tr- some people will try to do it out of their own strength, thinking if they're smart enough, if they can just present enough evidence or enough logic that they can convince somebody to believe in Jesus by trying to muscle it themselves But if we're being honest, probably the biggest reason out of all of these is apathy. That we, apathy, we live that way towards the lost because we don't have the same heart Jesus had for them. Jesus wept for them. Jesus cared so much about each individual person. And I know for myself and so many others, it's so easy, so easy to get lost in that to lose our sense of urgency, lose our sense of desire to see the lost saved and become apathetic towards it. So do you struggle to live a life of fervent witness? This will bring us to our big idea for tonight, and it's this. Because God calls his people to be his light, we must witness fervently. Say one more time. Because God calls his people to be his light, we must witness fervently. If this call is intimidating to you, I want to encourage you with something. See, what we're going to see tonight from this parable, what we're, what, from what we're looking at, is that if you are saved in Jesus Christ, he has not only called you to be his witness, he has equipped you to be his witness. Let's say that once again one more time. He has not only called you to be his witness, It's not just that he's asked you to be his witness. It's not just he's saying, you need to go be my light in the world. He has also equipped you to do it. Because his his work in you and his relationship you lets you be his light, lets you be his witness. You have no ability to do this on your own. You can only do this because of him. And that's what we're going to see tonight as we dive into this parable, that it is his light in us that starts. His light in us that is the source of our ability and our chance to go witness to those who he's placed around us. And that's where it starts. Now, if you would, please stand with me as we read from God's word together. In Matthew 5, verses 14 to 16. Kids, if you guys, you guys are ready to go? Great. Let's read this nice and loud. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. 
In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Word of the Lord. You guys can grab a seat. As before we keep going, just once again, it's going to bow our head. We're going to spend one more time in prayer before we jump in to this rest of this message. Father, thank you for your provision of this building and this chance for us to meet together as your body and as your church. We know it is only because of your work that we are able to be here tonight. May you use this time to continue to build your church and stir us into a greater fervency to witness to those around us and those who you're going to bring around us in the future as well. Tonight, Lord, guard my mouth from error. The Holy Spirit, move in the hearts of your people and glorify Jesus Christ above all. And so it's in Jesus' name that we ask you to do this work tonight and just stir us up, Lord. In your name, amen. All right. Great. So as we get going, we're just going to get a little bit of context for what's happening with this parable at this time. So... As we said before, though, just a quick reminder, as we've been talking the series, this is, we're going through a parable, which is a story or lesson to used to illustrate a truth. A story or lesson that is used to illustrate a spiritual truth. Often Jesus would teach in these. Often he'd use parables because they're a way to help people understand what he's trying to teach them. Now, this parable is found in a specific spot in the Gospel of Matthew. It's actually found towards the start of his ministry in Matthew, around 30 AD. So Jesus has just started his public ministry um, in Israel. And this section is found in what's called the Sermon on the Mount, which is one of the longest sections, one of the longest teachings of Jesus found in the Gospels. What Jesus does in this teaching, as he's teaching these large crowds and disciples, is he's teaching them about the kingdom of God, what that's going to look like, as well as what his followers are going to live like. He's teaching them about the kingdom of God and how his followers are called to live in light of that. Let's be clear here that when we say he's speaking to a large crowd, he's not just speaking to his disciples at this point. He's also, he's this large crowd is people who will both come to believe in him as the Messiah, but there's also a lot of people here who will not believe in him as the Messiah or at that moment do not yet. And Jesus is still preaching this message. Because it is not just for those who believe in him, it's for everyone to understand what he's calling his people to be like. As well as to point them to who they truly need, who they are truly seeking after. And so the Sermon on the Mount goes through many things, but that is the main thing that is running through this time. So, Which brings us to our first point for tonight, and it's this. The life of a fervent witness lives with one perspective, I am his light. We are called to live with holy distinction. Are you breaking in or are you blending in? So here Jesus uses two short parables to illustrate to the people what, he's, what they are called to be as the light of the world. He uses both these to help them understand what he's trying to say. Now think about light for a minute. What does it do? Well, above all things, light shines. Whether it's fire or a light bulb or a spotlight, it shines. No matter what kind of light it is, it shines. Revealing the world around us, showing what is going on in the world around us. In darkness, we can't see. In darkness, we don't know what is happening 
in the world around us. Just give a little more understanding here is that this word, the word for light in this text means divine truth, power, purity, holiness, righteousness. It is literally the life of God himself being displayed in and through his people. That is what this is describing when it says light. It is the life of God himself being displayed in and through his people. It is the light that cannot help but shine. Jesus is teaching the crowd that everyone who is a part of the kingdom of God is a light of the world. Because Jesus, Jesus, God, light now lives in them and shines through them into the darkness. What does it mean? So what does it mean to be a part of God's kingdom? To be as 1 Thessalonians 5.5 says, a child of light. Well, It is everyone who has repented and turned from their sin and trusted in Jesus. As their Lord and Savior, they are the light of the world. At the moment of salvation, they are filled with the Holy Spirit, God Almighty himself, and filled with his power and presence. This is why only Christians can be light of the world. To be light, we have to have that personal relationship with Jesus through which comes the light of God. As you can see on the screen, this is why, is that the source of light is not ourselves, but it is our Savior. Our source of light isn't ourselves, it is our Savior. It has nothing to do with us. So to help understand what it means to be God's light, let's look at the two examples we've been given in the text um, to see what Jesus is trying to talk, teach why, and see why he uses these two examples. First, look back at verse uh, 14, the the latter part of verse 14. It says, a city on a hill cannot be hidden. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Now, before we keep going, can everyone just put your pens down for one second? Just look up here. Everyone take a look at the screen. There's going to be a picture that comes up there. So you can probably all recognize this. is the Parliament Building in Ottawa. Now, for a second, just picture driving across the Ottawa Bridge at night and looking at the Parliament Building. Think about that. Think about the bright lights that are coming off the parlor buildings, all the buildings that are surrounding it. Lights that are so loud. Lights that are so loud. Or light. That is so bright. There we go. <laughs> lights that are so bright that you can't even see the stars that are in the sky. It's also so bright that if one building decided to turn off the lights, it actually would not make a difference. It would just be one building in the midst of a whole crowd of them with the lights off. It would still be bright. The city cannot help but shine. That city, even with a few lights off, would still be doing the exact same thing. And this is a picture of what we are called to be as disciples. Because what Jesus has done for us, and his presence and power that now lives in us, we are saved in him. We are now a light, his light, in the world. And God's light is like that city, but cannot help but shine, cannot help but be noticed. So think about this. When you're in your homes, workplaces, kids, when you guys are in your schools, students, when you guys are on, walking around on your universities, that that is the light you're able to shine. You're able to shine in those places because that's what God has placed you in. His light cannot help but shine. A city on a hill, 
filled with the light of God for all to see. Now look at verse 15. Verse 15 says, Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all the house. Just to give a little bit of context here, when it's talking about light a lamp, it's a little bit different than how we would use light today. Oftentimes today we have lamps across our house, we have lights in our ceilings, all those kinds of things. But back then, even though they'd have houses with two stories like we do, to light the house, they would actually have a tall lamp. And on that lamp is where they would put the light, so that that light would not just shine in one room, but in all the rooms, shining in all the house. See, back then, as well, as said, they're physically lighting this. This is a fire being lit on a candle on the stand so that it could light the house. They wouldn't be putting them everywhere for fear of knocking them over, burning down. But they would be shining in all the house. What Jesus is saying here is why would they put a basket over that light if it wouldn't do its job? What would be the point of that? It just wouldn't make any sense. But more than that, it would not be fulfilling the purpose for which it was lit. So, we're going to do a little bit of an example here. If I can get someone to get the lights. Um, there we go. So, really it's like this. As you can see, there's a light. It's pretty clear what this is. It's pretty clear what we could find and where we are going with this. And this is what we're called to be. This is what we're called to be, the light that people can see and notice. But so often, when we try to blend in, it's like putting a basket on the light. This is such a, a picture of how we are when we try to blend in with the coworkers around us, when we gossip in the way they, that they do. When we act like the world does in so many different ways. When we try to do things in our own way and on our own strength, this is what we're doing. We are taking the light that God has made us and we're trying to cover it. Not letting it do its purpose. And purpose. Let's be careful. What God really wants us to do is he wants us to be that light. He wants us to be the light in the darkness so that we can both see, but that others as well can see. That it's not just about us. That others can see the work that God has done in his life as we declare the gospel, as we tell them who he is. They can see the light that we are. That is what we are called to do. See, Jesus did not die for you so you could just blend in with the world around you. Let me say that again. Jesus did not die for you so you could blend in with the world around you. No, he died so that you could be his light. You could be his light in the darkness. Especially because this is a world that is so desperate for that. But Ottawa, we are his light and we are called to go out into the world and point others to him. Again, we are called to go out into the world and point others to him. We are called, O Ottawa, to live with holy distinction. We have the lights back on. Thanks, Chris. So said, we are called to live with holy distinction. Are you breaking in or blending in? Are you going to hide the light and blend into the world around you? Or are you going to allow the light to break into the places that it needs to go? Into hearts that are hard. Sorrow that is heavy. The depression for some that can be so dark and seemingly un unending. 
to fear that can grip so tightly that it, that it feels like it's choking. And to anxiety that at times can feel paralyzing. Even in a day, lies that can be so easily deceiving. And see, blending in is really easy to do. This is what the world tells us to do, what the world calls us to do. It does it on a daily basis. It means that we choose our own way, putting our own comforts and desires and decisions first, and we blend into the world. The result of this is so clear, and we can sadly see it in so many churches these days. As so many look exactly the same as the world around us. By that we're saying it's the same problems. Churches are dealing with the same kinds of gossip. The same fighting. The same slander. And in many ways the church is just blending right in to what is going on in the world around them and are not being a light to that world to show them who is greater and a greater and what he calls us to live by and why that is greater. And to be clear, this is the opposite of being a fervent witness. Since to blend in with the world means we cannot live with the perspective, we cannot live with the priority or passions of Jesus and live with holy distinction that we are called to. We cannot do it. And we cannot break in with the light through his power in a world that is so desperate for We seek to blend in with the world around us. We cannot live this out. Cannot live this out. Second, my notes just got. All right. All right. We cannot live this out. So, Christians, are you going to? blend in, or are you going to break in? Are you going to break in to the world around you? Fervently living our lives in gospel demonstration and declaration. Are you going to break in or blend in? This week, think of a person you will see in a situation you'll be in this week. Commit to praying for them. Commit to praying and asking the Lord for faith, fervency, and love that he has for those people to help you see it for yourself, to drive you closer to him in that. And then in his power, in the power that he gives, step out. Witness to that person. Be a light to that person. Let the light break in. I'll also say this. If you haven't, you're here tonight and you haven't trust Jesus as your personal Savior, I say this in love for you. You can't shine what you don't have. One more time, I say this in love. If you don't know Jesus, you can't shine what you don't have. See, in Ephesians 5, verses 8 to 9, it says, For at one time you were darkness, but now you are the light in the world. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good, and right, true. We catch that as it says there. It says in the Lord. If you're going to be light, the light, the Lord of the Lord, you must be in you. He must be in you. Your first step tonight, if you haven't repented of your faith, 
is to stop. Repent of your faith, which means turn away. Turn away from the sin. And trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior, knowing that he will forgive you for your sins. Forgive you for all of them. Doing so, you'll be given eternal life and you'll be filled with the presence and light of God. Knowing him, being able to be in a relationship with him. Jesus having paid your debt for your sins. So that if you're here tonight and you have not done this, please, I urge you to do this. This is the life of a fervent witness. As I said, we live with one perspective is that I am the light. And from this, we see that we're also living with one purpose. That is God's glory. As that God's, the question for this is God's glory shapes the whole story. Is his glory your priority? As I said, God's glory shapes the whole story. Is his glory your priority? Look at verse 16 with me again. It says, because I said, as we approach this, one of the questions that we have is why is living for his life such an important thing? We've already been saved. We already know Jesus. Why is it so important that we live as his light? Why is it so important that we do this? And verse 16 so beautifully answers this question. So beautifully does this and shows us why this is so important. Let's read it now together. It says, In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. The first part of this verse, Jesus is just explaining what is explained for the first two sections of parts of this parable. He said, We are to be his light. We are to go out there, and as it says, shine before others. What we're called to do. He's summarizing those two parables, but in the last section, this is what really answers why we are to do this. It's so, to, and it says, To give glory to your Father, or sorry, they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. You may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Just to, so we're all on the same page, the word glory there, what it means is to esteem or honor. As we've sung tonight in so many songs, as we heard in our benediction tonight from Psalm 96, we're to glorify God. We're to make sure that God is the only one who is deserving of honor and praise and that we are to lift him up and worship him in that. We're going to make his name great in that. And see, a big reason why we're called to be his light is so that as our light is shining, as we are going out into the world, others would see it and know where it comes from and be able to glorify and worship him. At this point, we're going to use one more demonstration here with the light to show kind of why this is important, how us shining our light can help others see um, and point others towards Jesus. And a lot of the time, a light can be, if you think about it, if you were walking through the woods. If you were trying to walk on your own, I'd probably fall down the stairs right now if I tried. But you'd be lost. But when you have a flashlight, you're able to walk around. You're able to see the path that's in front of you. You're able to move around. You're able to see where you should be going. And not only you, that anyone who's with you is able to follow along with it. This light that we have is a chance for us to walk in the way God's called us, to point others to where we're going, to point others to Jesus, to let that light be our, the light that's guiding us. But here's the thing, if we were to take that light and just put it on ourselves, 
It's kind of pointless and also very bright, but it's pointless. No one can know where to go. I can't even see where to go at this point. This is literally blinding. But we can't see where to go. The only way the light is helpful is if we put it on the path. The only way it is helpful is if we let it guide us to where we're supposed to go, to direct us, not to ourselves, but to Jesus, but to him. It's the only way that the light is able to help. Because if you... Because our calling is to point people towards the goal. Our calling is not to make ourselves look better or to glorify ourselves. Our calling as Christians, as witnesses in his light, is to point others towards him. It's to make sure that when we have the chances to share the gospel, we are able to share it. We're able to point others to the source of why we're saved, where our joy comes from, why we glorify God so much. It should shape our whole story. But God's glory shapes the whole story. Is his glory your priority? Christians, are you making his glory your priority? Be more specific because we, we witness so that others would glorify God. Ask yourself who God has put around you that you, needs to hear the gospel. Ask others, God has put you around and needs to hear the gospel. You ask yourself, is there anything that's getting in the way of me sharing with those people? Any fears? Any pride that is in your life that is hindering you from going out and being a witness to those people? This is something specific for our small groups, but a few months ago, um, for the small groups, we wrote a list of people we wanted to witness to. We wrote down 10 names, people we wanted to pray for, people we wanted to witness and share the gospel with. And I have a question for you. Instead, if you're in a small group, Small groups are fantastic to get plugged into one of them. One of the greatest things that can come is you're able to be with believers together. But are you, for everyone who's in them, who had that list, are you still witnessing to those people? You started witnessing to them. Are you even praying? Are you still praying for those people around you that they would put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ? Are you still witnessing to the people on that list? Because God calls his people to be his light, we must witness fervently. That means we live out the passions, the perspectives, and authority of Jesus and his power, pointing us towards him. The life of a furnace witness lives with one perspective I am a light. It lives with one purpose, God's glory. The call of a gospel life is to call to a fervent life whose glory will shape your whole story. The call of the gospel life is the call to a fervent life. This goes on the sermon for tonight. Whose glory shapes your whole story? Remember how it says in Romans, do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you for tonight. I thank you that you are sovereign and over this time and that you've used this time for your glory. I lift up right now and just pray for this church. That, Lord, you would help us to live a life of fervency. Prayer and stewardship, and as we heard tonight, a life of fervent witness. 
that you would use this preaching of this word to stir up a heart in your church for the lost, to fight, push back against the apathy we can so easily have for them. That you would help us to live out life as your lights in this world, Lord. Lord, I just lift up this time and we say thank you. You are so much greater and you're able to do so much more than we could ever hope. Help us to grow in our love and dependence of you, Lord. In your name, amen. Church, would you stand as we respond in worship?